Welcome to TBA. So glad you could be here. I'm Brian Legg. I'm part of our lead pastor team. Just want to welcome you this morning. You know, also I want to say thank you to you guys because you come every week to this early service. And I, you know, I noticed this, maybe y'all don't pay attention back there, but when I look out across the crowd, when football season starts, the crowd at 9 a.m. changes just a little bit. And I guess it's those late night games, maybe people staying up and watching, but they tend to roll into that 11 o'clock service. 11 kind of fills out and 9 shrinks down just a little bit. But I want to say thank you to you guys for being here 9 a.m. every Sunday morning and, and participating with us. We are continuing our Experiencing God series this week. Um, and, and I hope that all of you at this point have been able to plug into a small group or plugged into one of our large groups that are meeting on Sundays and Wednesdays and that you're walking through this and God's really been speaking to your heart in some cool ways through the study. You know, I've got to be honest with you this morning. The, the whole Experiencing God journey has not been exactly what I expected. I went through this the first time when I was in high school. And, and I look back at, at what I was going through and I, I really... I was expecting this to be kind of old hat. You know, you've done it before, now you're coming back, it's just review, it's going to be the same old material. But what I'm, I'm learning as we dig into this is that when I was in high school going through it, it was more just that I was participating, it was more associative. Basically that means my church was doing Experiencing God, so therefore I was doing Experiencing God, when in reality, I'm not sure how much of the homework I really did. I'm not sure how much I really engaged in conversation. I can't find my book from back then. I have no idea what happened to it. I'm not remembering a lot of the things. And so I came into the study this time around, quite honestly, with a lot more pride than I'd like to admit. I figured, you know, this is Discipleship 101. It'll be a great opportunity to teach our church some of the basic truths about who God is and what it means to walk in relationship with him. And to some extent, I was right. It is Discipleship 101 on many levels. And in fact, when I watch the videos and see the different things, I think, kind of 101 class, I was talking with somebody earlier this past week, and I went, it kind of takes me back to my high school days, just the graphics and the videos and, and kind of the old school nature. My kids would say, that's so old, it's from the 80s. I go, you all don't have any clue what old is. But the older I get, the closer the 80s feels, right? But as I look back at that, here's what I didn't expect coming into experiencing God. I didn't expect that it would be fresh revelation to me, a revelation of God's love, of what it means to walk in relationship, of some of the things that I've been missing along the way in my relationship with God simply because I allow my pride and independence to get in the way. In fact, there have been a couple days in particular where I finished my homework, and all I knew to pray was this, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my pride that blocks your voice in my life. Forgive me of my own agenda that puts spiritual blinders on my eyes. Forgive me for putting you in a box and practicing religion rather than walking in relationship. Maybe you've felt some of the same things along the way, or maybe you're just further along in your journey and you've kind of figured that stuff out already. I hope so, but, but see, I've got to be honest. There have been pieces of this, of this study that I can only explain as being eye-opening. And I would describe it kind of like this. I, I would say there, there's not been anything that is exceptionally profound, like brand new material, but God's used it to open my eyes in unique ways. Maybe you've had this experience. I've had this happen several times. I, I'll be going through something with Sherry. You know, we're, we're talking through something and something we just can't seem to agree on or see eye to eye. And, and uh, you end up sitting down either with a counselor or with a good friend and they're, you, you're talking through some things and they point out this thing in your life. And it's like one of those light bulb moments. Aha, I've never seen that before. Wow, that gives me such context. It makes such a difference. And as you see that and the light bulb clicks on, you simultaneously realize, my spouse has been saying this to me for 
days, weeks, months, maybe years. I'm kind of hard-headed. And I've even had the joy of having those moments where somebody points that out, the light bulb clicks on, you have that simultaneous thought, and my spouse is sitting right there giving me the look. The look that says, are you kidding me? You just heard that from them, and I've been telling you how many times for how long, and you just got it? You ever had one of those moments? You're lying, Tommy. I see that. I've had a few of those walking through experiencing God, just eye-opening moments where you realize God's saying something, and he's been saying it over and over and over in a bunch of different ways, but suddenly you read through something different or you hear something in a little different light, a little different context, and you realize, wow, he's been speaking that to my heart for a long time. We're in week five of a 12-week study. And like I say, I've had a bunch of those moments, and one of those has been the simple realization that I often miss out on the real blessings and the joys of walking in relationship with God because I allow my thoughts or actions to become mechanical or systematic. I follow the rules. I do the things that I think will please God. I walk in obedience, but in reality, he's not impressed with my behavior or anything I've done. He just wants me. He loves me and wants to be with me, desires an intimate and loving relationship with me. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about that, how God is pursuing that love relationship with us. And I told you that if you take a relationship and you boil it down to the two most basic elements, what do you get? Time and communication. Time and communication. When we love someone, when we want to be in relationship with them, we spend time with them and we communicate with them. That's how a relationship is formed. Now, you and I both understand that that's not the only dynamics that go into relationship. There's a lot of other things that play there, too. But these are part of the foundation of any relationship. And I feel like we've said this a hundred times in a hundred different ways, but if you're not spending time with God, if you're not communicating with Him, if you're not walking in relationship with God daily, you're missing it. Plain and simple, you're missing out. You're not experiencing what God has planned for you. You're not being able to see the amazing purpose that he has for you in your life. You're missing blessings that he has prepared for you. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for me. So we've got to be paying attention and walking in relationship. Part of relationship is accountability. And so every week, we've been holding you guys accountable as we walk through experiencing God with our memory verse. So here's your opportunity I want somebody to take the risk and be bold enough to stand and share your memory verse for this week. I'll give you a hint. It's John eight forty seven. Who's got it memorized? Come on, I'm putting you on the spot every week. This is where my wife says you have to practice your wait time. Let it be uncomfortable. Somebody will respond. She's a kindergarten teacher. It works there. Somebody? Go for it. Wonderful. Thank you, Miss Sandy. Great job. John eight forty seven. Hey, Rob, can you flip the screen so I get the slides in the back for me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. John eight forty seven. Basically, if I belong to God, I'll hear what he says. But if I'm not hearing, then I don't belong to him. Man, I had to wrestle with that a bit this week. This scripture was pretty easy to memorize, just the wording of it. And I don't know about you guys, but like last week's scripture, there was something about the way the words all went together. It was tough to memorize. It was like I kept stumbling over certain words and couldn't get the phrasing to go together. This week, had no problem memorizing it, getting the words in place. But the truth of it was difficult. 
I had to wrestle with that. There's a lot of times that I don't feel like I'm hearing from God. Does that mean that I don't belong to him? See, I went back and I read more of the passage leading up to that statement, trying to get some context. And what you see is when you read leading up to this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, and he's calling them out. In fact, Jesus calls them sons of Satan because they can't recognize the truth that he is speaking to them. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking if I'm a Pharisee, that's pretty offensive. You're calling me a son of Satan? But they could not see the truth that Jesus was speaking to them. They were so caught up in their traditions, so caught up in their beliefs, their rules, their regulations, all the little check boxes and the things that they were doing that they could not hear truth from Jesus. And basically he's saying to them, your pride in being a descendant of Abraham has created a system of traditions for you, but you're blind to what a relationship with God looks like. How many times do we get caught in a similar trap where our mechanical approach to life gets in the way of our relationship with God? Especially when we were digging into the study this past week and it started talking about our planning, how we make plans and we ask God to bless our plans rather than stopping and waiting and asking God, what's your plan? What do you want to do? How do you want to work in this? How will you reveal this to us? I didn't like that section much. I don't know about you guys. To see this whole unit as we walk through it is reminding us God is still speaking. He's been speaking to his people throughout the Old Testament. Nothing has changed today. Nothing changed in the New Testament. Nothing has changed for you and I. And we've been reminded of that over and over, but we've also been reminded that it's still in the context of relationship, time, and communication. If we're not investing the time, we're not communicating, how can we expect to hear from God? And I love the reminders that Blackaby gave us in that first day's homework about how God speaks. He kind of walked us through, looked at the Old Testament. What are all the different ways that God would speak in the Old Testament? And you see all kinds of things. It's through angels, through visions, through dreams, through miraculous signs, through his prophets. And as you look at each of those things, you see one thing in common. God was always speaking through an intermediary. It was God speaking through someone to his people. There was never that real direct communication unless you were one of those prophets. Then we read in Hebrews 1 about how God's method of speaking to his people has changed. It says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. See, Jesus comes to earth and everything changes. Because of him coming to earth, because he lived as a man, because of his sacrifice of dying on the cross, all the things that he did, the gap between us and God has been bridged. We no longer need that intermediary for God to speak to us. He spoke clearly through Jesus. People walked and talked with God when they walked with Jesus. When they experienced him, they got to see God face to face. Emmanuel, God with us, literally. And that's the whole context of the Gospels. It's Jesus among his people, men and women like you and I encountering him in person. But now what? Jesus only lived on the earth for 33 years before he went to the cross and he died and was raised to new life and then ascended to heaven. So now what? See, Jesus didn't let it stop there. He promised not to leave us alone. In fact, he promised to send an advocate, the Holy Spirit. And in John 14, we read these words. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, 
and you are in me, and I am in you. Pause right there for just a second. Look at the relationship that's described in verse 20. On that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. That is a beautiful picture of what relationship with God looks like. The intermixing that's there. 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Does that sound familiar? This is NLT instead of NIV, but you saw this last week. This was your verse. Now we've given it a little more context. Jesus is saying he's not going to leave us alone, but did you notice how he started this section? Same thing we've heard over and over and over and over and over. If you love me, what? Obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. He's saying, I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to allow you to live life to the fullest, but you've got to do something too. Obey my commands. Then he goes on to say this. He will send another advocate. And I love the context of that because the word another there is coming from the Greek word alos, which means same or equal to. Jesus is saying, I've been walking with you all this time on earth. I've spent this time with you. You've come to know me. You've understood who God is because you've walked with me. And now I'm leaving, but I'm going to send another helper that will be the same as me, going to walk with you, do life with you. Here's another helper. See, the disciples, they've already known, as, known God as almighty, but they've known him as distant in the past. And then Jesus came onto the scene, and now they've come to know God as miraculous and walking with him through the time that they spent with Jesus. And now Jesus is promising that they're going to come to know God living in them through the Holy Spirit. It just keeps getting better and better. They don't even have to go to a person anymore to walk in relationship with God. He's promised to live in them. God will be with them at all times, everywhere they go. And that's what we see unveiled all throughout the book of Acts. We watch as the Holy Spirit empowers the disciples to do amazing works for God. He guides their every step. But notice that it's not their plans, but it's God's plans revealed to them. We see the apostles cast out demons, heal the sick, speak boldly the truth of Jesus' death and resurrection, present the gospel. We see thousands come to know Christ because of the testimony of the apostles. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence in their hearts and is guiding every step along the way. And that's the promise that you and I still hold on to. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? I love this picture. It's not just a picture of how the Holy Spirit lives in each of us individually, but the pronouns used here are plural. You all. Paul is referencing the entire church, those who are following Christ. All of us together, the church, make up the temple of God. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us, us, the body, both an individual picture and, more importantly, a community picture. We're in this together. We carry the responsibility of hearing from God as a community, not just individual people. And this is why Jesus talked all the time about we would be known by our love for one another. We'll be known by our love for one another. How we treat each other matters. Our obedience collectively has a huge impact on how God speaks to us and how we can live within his purposes as a church. We live in a society that's forgotten that. We've individualized everything so much that we think that what we do only affects us. We've forgotten that every thought, every action, Every decision affects those around us the same as it affects us. We collectively make up the church. We collectively are the temple where the Holy Spirit lives and works. We collectively hear from God and choose to walk in obedience. 
There's nothing about the Christian life that ever suggests that we should be doing it alone or do it on our own. It's always, always in community with other brothers and sisters walking together. Next week, our study is going to dig a little deeper into what that really looks like, how God speaks through people and circumstances. But before we can grasp that fully, we've got to understand this week's emphasis. And that's how God speaks to us through his word and through prayer. Basic relationship 101, time and communication. Reading God's word and spending time in prayer. And this is both done privately, individually, just our time with God, that that quiet time that we talk about all the time of getting away and just being with God. But it also comes when we come together as the body of Christ to study God's word, to discuss, to pray, to hold one another accountable, to walk together in relationship. It's both and. And we've got to get that. We've got to understand the importance of being in God's word and spending time in prayer and in doing it with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we put such an emphasis on small groups here. It's why we talk about them all the time, about you need to be in community, you need to be walking with somebody, because guess what? Showing up here on Sunday morning and sitting in a chair and listening to one of us talk is not going to build the community that you need to develop your relationship with Christ. You don't have the interaction you need. You're not having the discussions that you need to have. You don't have people praying for you the way you need. This is easy to come and listen. It gets tougher when we get in relationship and we walk in small group and we interact with people. But that's crucial to our development. But yet, there's another foundational piece of the relationship that we have to understand in order to hear God speak. I told you we've got those basics, time and communication. But another one I want to talk to you about today is trust. Trust. See, trust is the backbone of any healthy relationship. And in our relationship with God, it's a little different maybe than a relationship I would have with my brother and sister, but yet... At the same time, it's the same. In my relationship with you, maybe with my wife, with a friend, trust is built through experience. Isn't that right? What we experience with a person tells us whether or not we can trust them. We're constantly asking the question, do your words line up with your actions? Does what you say about who you are really reflect in the way you behave and the things that you do and how you present yourself? Because that is what builds trust for us. So while it's the same with God, it's also a little different because we sometimes have this tendency to experience something with God, but to see it from the wrong perspective because we lack context from Scripture of who God really is. See, in other words, we tend to make assumptions about God without trying to find out who He is. And all this week you heard from Blackaby as he was warning you in your study not simply to trust your experience. Don't just go, well, I've not experienced God in that way if you don't really understand who he is or who he's told us that he is. You've got to go back to his word. Who does he tell us he is? Not who has someone else told us he is. Who does he say? What does it say in his word? What does he tell us that he will do? See, God is truth. It's a part of his very character. He doesn't change. He doesn't break his promises. Near the end of day, one, day one's homework, Blackaby said this, and this kind of grabbed my heart. It says, the Holy Spirit gives clear directions today because God is a person who wants to be intimately involved in your life, and therefore, he will give you clear guidance for living. You may say, that's not been my experience. Base your understanding of God on Scripture, not on your personal experience or lack of it. If you do not have clear instructions from God in a matter, pray and wait. I don't do very good at that. I don't know about you. If you don't have clear instructions from God, no matter, pray and wait. Learn patience. Depend on God's timing, which is always right and best. Don't get in a hurry. He may withhold directions to cause you to seek him more intently. 
Don't try to skip over the relationship to start doing something. God is more interested in a love relationship with you than he is in what you can do for him. Have we heard that a few times? If God's having you wait, he may want to develop a deeper relationship with you before he gives you your next assignment. He may have you wait because the timing is not yet right. Let me tell you what most of us do. One of two extremes, and I'm kind of stereotyping here, but I think you'll see that we can both fall into this. God lays something on our heart. And we know he's laid it on our heart. We hear it. We experience that. We know it's God speaking. And we do one of two things. On one extreme, we run away or hide in fear, try to get away from it, try to ignore it, try to get as far away as we possibly can. Or on the other hand, we hear it and we immediately get to work on it, putting a plan in place to accomplish it. And hear this clearly. Both things are wrong. Both of those are wrong. Unless God has already laid the plan before us. See, I'm sure I could think of times that I've fallen into both of these categories, done both of these things, but I tend to most often fall into that second one. I think I'm being obedient because I go to work just as soon as God lays something on my heart, just as soon as he puts that idea there. But the truth of this matter is that I often am putting my own plan in place instead of waiting to see what is God's plan in all this. What is he trying to do? What is he trying to accomplish? How does he want to go about doing it? And Blackaby's reminding us of the importance of hearing from God and taking our directions from him and him alone. It doesn't mean we don't bounce ideas off of other people. It doesn't mean that we don't get confirmation about what God's doing in a lot of other ways. And again, we're going to dig into that next week. But it means we start by examining God's word and spending time in prayer to seek him on the matter. See, I would ask you this. How often do you really take something before God and truly seek his heart on it? How often do you pray about something? Not just once, but throughout the day and day after day until you see something come from it. How often do you go back to the Bible and seek understanding of what God may be wanting to do in you or in this situation or to see how this idea lines up with his character, his plan that you see revealed in his word? See, I'd like to tell you that I do that every time, but I don't. I'm human just like you. My flesh and my spirit, they fight every day just like you. A great example of this is the journey that we've been on with getting our modular buildings put in in Highland City. My uh, small group in Experiencing God was talking about this this past week, and I was kind of sharing some of this with them. And I've just got to be honest and tell you that my human side has come out in some ugly ways in this process. It has not been real pretty. And if, if you work for the county, I'm just going to apologize now because I promise I mean no disrespect. And I understand that there are things going on that are way beyond my understanding, and I don't have context and all that good stuff. But I've done this a bunch of times. We've been through several building projects. I've pulled permits a number of times. I've walked through the planning phase several times. It's never a fun process, but this has been ridiculous. I mean, we've gone almost two years in this process, and I've just been beating my head against the wall time after time after time, trying to figure it out, trying to get things fixed. And just to give you a little context, if you're not aware of what's happening, maybe you haven't heard the story, but Back, this was January of 2016, so that gives you context of how long. We're coming up on two years. Polk County School Board donated two modular buildings to our homework club. 
there in Highland City. We, had to end, we actually moved them off of the school property and onto our property because they had to get them off of their property. So we have temporarily set them there on the property. We're storing them securely while we're waiting on the county to finish all the planning stuff so we can get permits and actually hook them up and use them. And they've been sitting there all this time. This process started the day they delivered them, January 2016. I mean, do the math. We're in October 2017. This is the process we've been going through, and it has been crazy. But the details don't even matter. Because here's what I was reminded of again this week. This is one of those areas where I know we heard clearly from God. God laid the vision on our hearts for Highland City. He laid the vision on our hearts about Homework Club. He laid the vision on our hearts about the house. We all collectively, as a church family, saw God show up in an amazing way when we bought that house. Because we couldn't have done that other than God showing up, I'm telling you. I mean, the story of raising the money that was raised over $100,000 in a matter of a week to be able to buy that house, that doesn't happen. God showed up. So he's laid the, the, he's laid the vision there on our hearts, no question. I know clearly that he's called us to expand the ministry in Highland City. And we see things beginning to happen. There's a cool living scent ministry happening out of the hub house where uh, families are reaching out to other families who have uh, members of their family. Wow, I'm, that just made that really confusing. People are reaching out to those who have family members who are incarcerated. Let me see if I can spit it out. But there's a cool ministry happening there. Our food pantry is happening out of the hub house. The homework club is continuing to grow and expand there in the hub house. There's all these cool things happening. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that God has called us to continue to expand that ministry. What I don't know is when he wants to do that, or exactly what he wants it to look like. And there's the problem. See, God's laid the vision on the hearts of our pastor team, but he hasn't given us all the details yet. And do you notice what I'm doing? I'm struggling and fighting and getting frustrated, trying to make my plan happen in my timing. That's that stubborn flesh side coming out. Now, here's what's really disappointing to me. I realized as I was writing that earlier this week that just a few months ago, I confessed the same thing to you. If you were here, you heard it. And I talked to you about how God was challenging my heart, that I needed to let go of this. I needed to quit pushing so hard. I needed to spend more time praying and seeking him and allowing him to work. And I did for a little bit. And then I fell right back into my same old rut, my same old stubborn patterns of trying to do it my way, in my timing. I'm sure I'm the only one that ever does that, right? None of you can experience that. But God's reminded me again this week that this is his dream, not mine. I have to wait and seek him. And I need to allow him to open the right doors at the right time to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. My ways are not his ways. My thoughts are not his thoughts, Isaiah 55, 8. See, God knows that well. He gets it. I struggle to remember that a lot of times. My ways are not his ways. My thoughts are not his thoughts. What is it in your life? What's God speaking to your heart? How are you pursuing him in relationship to hear from him? How much time have you invested in reading his word to be able to hear from him? How much time have you spent on your knees in prayer seeking his heart? 
See, if we don't start there, understanding all the other ways God speaks to us, it won't really matter much because that's the foundation. Ben, you guys can come on up. I just want to give you a real simple challenge this morning. I say simple. Simple in concept, as usual, kind of hard to do, right? I want you to think about something in your life where you're trying to work your plan instead of trusting in God's plan and his timing. What's something God's laid on your heart that you're trying to make happen, or maybe even you're on the opposite side of that, you're running away from, but you know he's laid on your heart? What's an area where you need to trust him for his timing, his plan? And then I want to challenge you to surrender that to him this morning. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Maybe it's just you spending some time there in your chair in prayer. Maybe you need to kneel there at your chair. Feel free. Maybe you want to come up to the stage and kneel, surrender it to him. Maybe you want to go back to next steps and talk to somebody and even ask for somebody to walk with you in accountability, to ask you questions about it, to challenge you on it. I know that's what I need. I need people to constantly be asking me, hey, are you praying about the modulars or are you still trying to push it through? Are you praying about what's going on in that situation or are you still trying to do it your way? Because my stubborn nature is I'm going to do it my way and get it done. But that's not obedience. That's not relationship with God. So however God leads you to respond, respond. But make the choice this morning to surrender that thing, to trust in his plan and his timing, to pursue him in relationship, to read his word, to figure out who he is, what he's doing in this situation, to spend time praying and seeking his heart, and even more importantly, to spend time just being quiet and waiting and listening and watching. What is he doing? I think it was actually, I'm pretty sure it was Unit 4's video that we watched this past week. The, and I can't remember the guy's name, but, but the guy who was sharing about all the stuff that he was doing in Kentucky, how God was showing up, and they, they were able to build this playground, they were able to build this youth center building, and they had this thing donated, and this thing, you know, and they, how, it was all these amazing stories. But here's what I heard in every single story. Somebody would mention an idea, they'd present a need, and he'd say, I'm going to pray about that and see what God wants to do with it. Which, I don't know about you, but that's not usually my first response. I go, oh, there's a need, we'll meet it. But he said, no, let's pray and see what God's doing with this. And it blew my mind to listen to his stories of how he'd say that, they'd begin to pray, and then he wasn't even the one seeking out the equipment, seeking out the supplies, seeking out the space, seeking out any of the stuff that was going to meet it. People were calling him and offering. You know, he told the story about needing to put shingles on a house, and he said, I, we're going to pray about that. And somebody calls him up and says, I've got shingles I need to donate somewhere. Okay, good. No, you don't understand. We have a tractor trailer of shingles that we need to donate somewhere. He's got one little old house. And they're donating stuff where they can do many houses. The youth center, somebody calls and says, I've got this building that the lease is going to be there for a while. I can't get out of it. I want to donate it so it's for good use. And he gives it to them. It was moment after moment after moment where God showed up and did something amazing when they prayed and were paying attention to what he was doing. Let's take time as believers, as a church family, to be on our knees, seeking him, listening to him, reading his word, discovering what he's doing, being aware of how God's moving. And let's allow him to move his plan 
and his timing. Let's pray. Go ahead and stand with me if you would. God, forgive us. Forgive us for just simply not being obedient at times. Forgive us for hearing things that you say to us and being scared of them. Forgive us for running away from things that you put on our hearts because they seem too big and, and we don't feel like we can accomplish them because the truth is we can't. We can't accomplish them in our strength, but you can. God, forgive us for the opposite of that, of hearing from you and trying to put our own plan in place. Forgive us for trying to run forward too quickly and doing our own thing rather than waiting on you and listening to you and seeing how you may want to move in a situation. God, forgive us for doing that in our individual lives. Forgive us for doing that as a church. God, may our spiritual eyes be open this morning to how you are moving and how you are working among us. May our spiritual ears be tuned to your voice. We're told in John that that your sheep know your voice. They know the voice of the shepherd. Help us to hear like that, God, that when you speak, we respond. I pray that you would remind us this morning of the importance of walking in relationship with you so that we can be tuned to your voice and can hear you speaking. God, whatever that thing is that may be getting in the way this morning, whatever it is that you've laid on our hearts that we're trying to put our own plan in place or whatever it is we're running from, bring that to our thoughts now and help us take the risk of surrendering that to you and choosing to lay that at your feet and trust you with it instead of continuing to carry the burden on our own. I pray that we would see you at work and see your mighty power at work and see how you accomplish amazing things when we simply follow your lead. We love you, God. Speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.